It's time for Bourbon with Friends, the bourbon podcast that never takes itself too seriously. Pull up a chair, grab a glass, and remember, a bourbon with friends can change the world. Here we go. What's going on, everybody? Thank you for joining another episode of Bourbon with Friends. Connor and I are back, uh, and we also brought back a now third-time guest. She is a glutton for punishment. Um, we are very excited because we haven't been doing a lot of podcasts lately outside of Connor and I yapping about what we've been doing with our own time. So we're really excited to talk about somebody else, and hopefully uh, they've experienced uh, bullshit that they can talk about and that we won't feel as bad with. So uh, Marianne Eves is here to talk about her new uh, Forbidden Bourbon. I really love the name. Um, uh, and I'm sure that there's uh, a lot of story behind that. But Marianne, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, we're 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 happy to have you back. Um, and this is kind of cool for myself because I got to try this years ago when it was still in its little infancy in 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 barrels, and you were very pregnant at the time because you were having to sip and spit. I remember that, and I was. Uh, Pretty sure that that's not nearly as fun as sipping and swallowing. So, kind of walk us through the process that that you've gone through with Forbidden in the last you know couple of years. Well, I've been working with the team in Forbidden since 2016. So it was actually a um, a a relationship, a contract distillation relationship with Castle and Key. So mm-hmm. I developed the recipe for these guys in 2016, distilled the first batch in 2018. And then it was just a matter of waiting, you know, to see when it was going to be ready. Um, in that time I departed from Castle and Key. I got pregnant. I had two babies <laughs> and then, you know, Same. the girls the, the were finally ready. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy how much life has happened, probably to you between when this happened and now you know it's it's a lot easy it's a lot probably less stressful doing whiskey without children um you know podcast was way less stressful when i only had one kid now that i have two it's like what in the world have i done to my life <laughs> <laughs> i could see that yeah for sure so, how, what has been i know for you this is kind of your, the, the first product that you've put out from start to finish i know you've been involved in a ton of other projects what has this kind of been like for you to do something for, that's your baby, right? Like walk us through not just the emotional part of that, but also, you know, how how you really approach this in the creative side, knowing that this was going to be all you. Yeah, I feel differently about this release than I do about products that I blend uh, because I produced the, the base of it. So I, I think there's almost more pressure to make sure that what goes into the bottle at the end of the day, it's it, it still... Um, meets my my standards, um, but mm-hmm. even like more than that because mm-hmm. it is it's a historic thing for me to have the opportunity now from start to scratch from scratch from start to finish to release this uh, myself. Um, mm. it, it feels really good and, and it's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, regarding the actual whiskey uh what is like wh- how did you craft it where did you come up with like exactly what's in this bottle what is in the bottle uh i know it's a blend where where are you where are you coming from in that aspect and what's actually what what makes up forbidden bourbon 
Mm-hmm. So we're calling it a small batch to make sure that people don't get uh, too confused because the, the word blend, I think while we are working on it, blenders in the United States working on it in terms of um, confusion and the um, actual like regulated uh, blended whiskey category, um, yeah. which can include GNS in the mix. Sure. So this is, um, this is a small batch. Uh, I crafted this recipe to be different than anything else that I had ever made. It's a combination of white corn, white wheat, and a high percentage of barley. And I'm aware of other folks who have used white corn. There have definitely been folks who have experimented with white wheat. Um, But in this specific combination and creating an intentional brand off of this recipe, it's not just a little experiment that I decided to release in a small Mm -hmm. quantity and see how it's going to go. We actually have... 8,000 barrels of this recipe aging. So I've got all my eggs in in a very delicious basket. (laughs) Yeah. How did you, how did you kind of come up with that? Right? Like obviously, you know, from the uniqueness of, of trying to create a product, especially now when there's so much whiskey on the market, like defining yourself and, and having the innovation to kind of step out is, is scary, but also exciting. So when you were kind of going through you know, an R and D process on your end, how did you go, Hey, I think this is going to be a unique, you know, part to, to put out to the market. So the original partners and they're still partners in the brand are all except for me from South Carolina and white corn is something that they eat a lot of in South Carolina, Mm -hmm. particularly in the summer. So my partners approached me, they, they were pretty sure that they wanted to use white corn. Um, they had no idea what variety of white corn. So that was up to me. Um, and they also, I can't remember if it was myself or one of my business partners, but somebody threw out the idea, well, Hey, why don't we try something unique in the wheat too? What can we do with that? So I, I was aware um, that my farmer in Kentucky had grown white wheat at a point. Uh, so when people talk about wheat, they don't really understand that there are different varieties. So red wheat sure. versus white wheat are quite <clears throat> different. And then oh, yeah, whole- I've had a I've had a red wheat whiskey before. Yes. Um, I think. Yeah. It, it, and it's interesting, you know, so is the white wheat is a little bit softer, right? Exactly. So basically the difference is that it doesn't have the red seed coat, which adds some tannic quality to the grain. Mm -hmm. So when you think about um, white wheat, it's the wheat that they use for bread. It's a culinary ingredient. It's not something that they feed to animals. Sorry about my dinging um, uh, I, was, I was like what was that was very loud we're like looking around going oh my gosh we are we have something that's broken on oh, a fire drill yeah <laughs> I was like oh my, my 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 i'm like my son has broken the house um, the house is burning down <laughs> I don't know for you and i know because we've talked about this in the past you know with with your your educational background and everything that's the nerdy scientific part that you really enjoy so when that kind of when that when he said that did all the light bulbs start going off in your brain of like oh here's how i can kind of do this and this but then here's the challenges yeah i mean it, it's like just totally turning the way people had been making bourbon on its end because I mean, back in the the like early to mid 1900s, people were making bourbon the way that it, it tastes the best. And mm-hmm. then as technology started to 
be more incorporated into the process. We started to understand what was happening. We had the equipment and the understanding of science, the experimentation and the, um, the data to Mm -hmm. really understand what was happening and to start improving yield, improving efficiency, saving money. So that's when all you see these regulations coming around like, okay, well, you can go into the barrel as high as 125. If you want to, you can distill up to 160, um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and then people are like, all right, well, what's the difference in these different grains? Like, oh, um, mm-hmm. yellow corn has more starch than white corn. We need to switch. And, um, you know, the, the low temperature fermentation process that I use for forbidden, like it, it takes more time. It's a little, um, more intensive, a process. So, you know, people stopped doing the low temperature fermentation. They started optimizing yeast strain to handle, Mm -hmm. uh, lower pH levels and and higher temperatures so that they could, maximize um, process efficiency in in the distilleries. And so same thing for like the the different varieties of of grain. So people were using feed grade grain um, for Mm -hmm. cost savings and maximizing yield and got away from grains that that were included, you know, because of their flavor characteristics. So white corn, 80% of white corn that's grown is grown for human consumption. The opposite is true for yellow corn. 80 plus percent of yellow corn that's grown is not grown for human consumption. It's for oils, Hmm. for syrups, for feed grain. So yeah. Yeah. It's it's the, it's, it's so nerdy, right? Like the back end (laughs) piece of how, what, you know, and, and so many people think, it's interesting, like, you know, even for us now, when people are like, oh, like, you know, why, if you're not doing one thing or the other, or why your stock, it, this is not something that it's just like you snap your fingers and there, you know, you're in 50 states and there's plenty of stock and you can go around the world. It takes time. Mm-hmm. The other interesting thing that I, I, I want to ask from the nerdy perspective is when you were talking about, when you were thinking about from the distillation process, did it did where you distill ever come into play? Because obviously older distilleries have, you know, different, you know, enzymes and, and things like that built in, you know, through uh, some of the tubing and, and, and things like that. Was that something that came in into your mind of like adding, a, you know, that additional flavor from maybe a, a new distillery to a young, uh, an older distillery, um, you know, uh, you know, the good bacteria that builds up things like that? It was interesting, you know, working at Castle and Key, I knew that the product was going to be made at Castle and Key um, there initially. And then when I left Castle and Key, I started thinking about exactly what you're talking about. I was like, yeah, do, you know, maybe we'll keep it going there or we have all these different options now. So I, mm. I went around and I, I talked to a lot of folks that do contract production. And even though I knew that the flavor profile was going to be different, there was actually some benefits to changing um, the, the production facility away from Castle and Key to Bardstown Bourbon Company. So a lot mm. of folks who do contract distillation, they make a, 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 a menu of recipes. So you're like, all right, you right. want a, a traditional bourbon? This is what we got for you. You want a weeded bourbon? This is what we got for you. You want a rye whiskey? This is what we got for you. Um, they, they don't let you do any personalization whatsoever. And then there are production facilities that are like, sure, you can make something different. What's your recipe? And they literally just want to know what your your mash bill is. Uh, they're going to mm-hmm. use their yeast strain. They're going to make it during through their process. And you don't get to change anything about the way that they make whiskey. Um, and then there there's Barstown Bourbon Company who does it completely differently. Um, and they, uh, I, I I'm assuming that they they do it this way for everybody. But I walked in and I was like, all right, I 
you know, I want to talk to you guys about making bourbon for me and I want to do things different. And they're just like, sure, boss, you know, when you're here, you're, you're, <laughs> you're the, the master distiller. So you tell us what you want to change. You, you know, you write it in the process and, and we pull the, pull the levers. So, um, it's, it's just been, I'm so grateful, um, to have the opportunity because it, it, it is made a little bit differently at Barstown versus Castle and Key because of exactly mm-hmm. what you're saying. It's, it's a brand new facility. Um, mm-hmm. even, you know, it, even if the equipment were identical, just because of the place where it is and the quality of the water and, and everything else, it, it would just come out tasting a little different, but I'm, I'm embracing that. Um, I've, I actually did blend a little bit, marry a little bit of what was produced at Bardstown at three years in with what I produced at, at Castle and Key five years ago. So well, I'm going to taste a so little. So we're talking about taste. So now we need to taste it. Yeah. Just, yeah. I'm just, it's sitting here in my, <laughs> my glass and now I'm just, I've hit the point. It's usually yeah. the 12 to 15 minute mark where we're just like, all right, we have to start drinking now yeah. because uh, it's yeah. in front of us. Absolutely. It's also been a day. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, walk us through kind of what, what you uh, get at for your notes. Um, you know, from the nose to the palate to the finish, what do, what do you, what made you want to bottle this, this, this whiskey? So I had been testing the barrels since they were four years old and, and I decided at four that it was, it was really good. It just needed an, at least one more hot summer on it. So, um, mm-hmm. I told my partners it wasn't ready yet. They understood and, you know, it let, let me uh, do what I thought was best for the product. So at five years old, it's, um, it's really complex, but also very smooth. So we've released several single barrels and uh, I've been really blown away by the complexity and the quality of the the single barrels also, because I think that's right. where you can really tell the talent of the distiller mm-hmm. is when you're tasting the single barrels. Um, because mm-hmm. I can take as a, as a blender, putting my blender hat on, I can take, you know, five, 10, 20 barrels that are so-so and put them together in a way that you're like, damn, that's the same stuff. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I, I, um, I really uh, took my time in creating this first small batch. It's 48 barrels. Um, most of those are uh, the five-year-old that I made at Castle and Key. And so we have about five, had about 500 barrels that we produced in 2018. And I, I tasted individually every single one of those barrels because I wanted to nice. know what flavors were possible because I'm neurotic. Sure, that was a terrible experience. <laughs> <laughs> I had to recruit friends to keep my motivation. It's like, you know, <laughs> Barrel 500. That, that was good guys. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like running drills in sports. Like yeah. you love She's like, no dumbass. Game. I didn't do all 500 in one day. <laughs> Yeah, it took a while. It took a while. Yeah, oh, but yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I, uh, I couldn't imagine doing it any other way because I couldn't just leave it up to fades. Like, I pick yeah. any fifty barrels and and it's going to taste great. Um, I needed it to be great. Um, so right. I, I, I selected, hand selected each and every single barrel that went into this first forty eight barrel blend, and then we've just. Uh, bottled, pardon me, batch two. And that one was only 13 mm. barrels. And I think it came out even smoother. Um, I don't want to say a softer, but it, it does have a little less heat, um, less burn, uh, which some people actually liked about batch number one. So I think 
for me, the feeling, the experience on the palate is just as if not more important than just the flavors. Because that texture mm-hmm. is what makes you want to come back for more. That's what gets you salivating, the way it lingers and that that um, aftertaste, I guess, the finish. Yeah. It's incredibly creamy. Yeah. That's the the one word that I that I think I comes to the front of my brain. That's great. When I'm sipping this. Yeah. Is, uh, it reminds me a lot of like a cream soda almost. Oh, interesting. Um, and uh, it's very good. I, I, I'm, it's different. It, it tastes different than a typical, mm-hmm. than a typical five year bourbon. And so you're also de- probably having grains. You haven't had a lot in bourbon combined. I mean, I don't know. I don't know any other bourbon I've had. That's like that. Yeah, um, but definitely. Absolutely. That plays a huge part in this. I, I would imagine, but it just, the entire experience, um, that went from, from the first sip, all the way through the palate to the to the back end to the mouth feel uh, to the finish it's it's unique it's very unique and the one word that i can describe it is is creamy and then it's and, and i mean that in the best way it's 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 very unique in that aspect and it's like a cream soda bomb to me and i'm a big cream soda guy so i can <laughs> I, I can i can work with that on the nose i feel like i get like dr pepper oh. and i don't know why it's the i know there's like there's no rye in this right nope no rye yeah, like, which is weird because it's it, it's it, it's it's that funny part of where you're smelling something that's just very different, and you're you're trying to like your brain's trying to get there. It, it it's got a almost like a Dr Pepper kind of nose to it to me, which I'm I'm like there's no rye that would make way more sense if it was rye. Uh, but Connor's point, like, there's a softness on the palate, and it when I. And I think that's where you're where we're saying like it's creamy, right? It's kind of like a decadent. It's not it's not an overly like uh, oily whiskey to me. I, it's it's a, a little dry, um, but I think that's actually good because I think if it was too oily with kind of the creaminess, I think that might over over like overtake you a little bit and like what you know what's going on. Kind of like where you could really chew on it, but this is where like it hits kind of there and then it lingers like in the mid palate a li- like a little bit. It's that like soft subtle. Uh, flavor notes, which I'm still trying to like get into my brain of what I'm actually tasting. I agree with Connor; it's creamy and it is complex. And I like whiskey like this that I can't just go. Oh, guess what? It's, it's this thing because that means I have to drink more, and then I will finally get the flavor profile. But it will probably be more bullshit because I'll just be drunk by then. <laughs> <laughs> I'll still sound smart though. There you go. Yeah, I love that you, you guys are are pulling out the those creamy qualities because that was something early on I was striving for it was a, like a creamy kind of buttery um, characteristic, which to me are like hallmarks of culinary cuisine or butter and cream. Absolutely, yeah. It's almost like a like a um, like a, you ever have those? Uh, I forgot what brand makes them. You know what I think this tastes like? I think hold that thought. It tastes to me like a butter. Almost like a butter, like a buttery cookie, and and a um, sweet. If like a buttery cookie had a baby with a sweet cornbread, Ooh. like that's kind of like the mash that I'm getting. Okay, well, I, what I was gonna say is very similar. Uh, I think Keebler maybe made these cookies. I don't know. They're they're called pecan sandies. Uh, big back in the day. Well, I think they still make them now. I used to always have them at my grandma's house. Shout out to my nana. Um, she, uh, always had them in her, in her cupboard when I was a kid and I'd have like four or five of them. 
at a time because they're so good. This reminds me of that because they were very buttery, almost like um, almost had like a homemade quality to them. Yeah. But uh, the, the the richness and the decadence uh, and, and the the butteriness comes through in this. <laughs> Sorry, that is ringing through my ears. I keep thinking we're back in school with a fire alarm. Just had a stroke. I put the do not disturb on my phone, and should, maybe I should just turn off my phone. I wonder if that will help. Ooh, I put a little water in it. That really opens it up. So the small batch um, is bottled at 95.2. And then the mm. single barrels that we've been releasing. So um, I've got a core single barrel, which are the ones that I'm selecting. And then we've got the special like um, gold label um, select barrels that, that somebody else picked. Um, and those are bottled at nearly cask strength. They, we just round them down to fit in the parameters mm-hmm. of the, the size of the label. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they've been coming out, you know, between 114 and 117 because of a, a lower barrel entry proof. Mm. Yeah, this is this this is unlike this is very unique, and uh, I mean, I applaud you for that. It's it's hard to come out with something that is is unique now with so many people or so many releases in the whiskey industry. Um, but this definitely stands out as something that is unlike others. Which I know is what you were going for, Absolutely. and you hit the nail on the head because this is—it's something that it stands out in its own, in its own category for sure. If and, I, and I'm going to put like this out there, and and I'm going to come full circle. Don't worry about it. When, when you first, I, this is something that I think you have to drink a little bit of because I think if you took a sip or two, you could be like, ah, I don't like that, or it doesn't taste good because you've got to kind of walk through it. It's it's more complex than what you're what you're anticipating. And if you're expecting a regular bourbon, I can understand where you could someone could come out and just be like, ah, oh, yeah, it's all right, right. But like the more I drink it, the more I'm starting to pull like little things out of there. You have to if you want to just sip on a whiskey and like pull it off yourself and shelf to just have it and like get everything you normally would. That's not what I would start. I wouldn't start with this one. But if you want something that's going to really challenge your your profile and your palate, it's going to give you a different profile. Like it's really good. Uh, that's the other thing I would encourage people like try because it, it is really good. I think you want to do that, and I think you've made you've you've made a good whiskey person's drink because it challenges the palate, right? Um, it's it's not a traditional vanilla caramel, a little bit of chocolate here. You're you you're having to like sit here and and drink and and your brain's kind of evolving as you're going through through it and putting a little water in and seeing it open up and it actually gets a little bit sweeter. So I just got like more sugar uh on 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 my palate when I did that. So it's very interesting and I like that. As someone who's drank whiskeys for years now and you know I've probably got 500 and some odd bottles this is something I would want to have in my bar because I want to go then challenge myself and step out. And, you know, there are certain whiskeys out there you can get, but that's what I really like the most about this one because there is a lot of flavor and it is going to challenge your palate. And it's going to, I think it really helps to expand, especially if you're someone out there that really likes whiskey, it's going to expand your palate as well. Yes, I agree wholeheartedly with that. Speaking of having on your bar, uh, the, the bottle itself. Yes. I want to I want to touch on that and and your and your process of selecting that because again incredibly unique there very um uh, I, I guess fancy is the word <laughs> like it seems like it's 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 like you buy that bottle and that's an important bottle that's something that you put on top shelf what's that Leonardo on. DiCaprio movie that he was in um probably the Great Gatsby yeah it's got a Great Gatsby kind of look vibe to it I agree. 
So what was yeah. it? Well, how did you come up with that packaging? Cause it's beautiful. So our designer is a Grammy nominated designer, um, Dale Doyle out of Holotype Studio, Cincinnati. Um, and when we approached him, because so, he had actually done my branding for Eve's, my Eve's identity and Eve's blind, mm-hmm. and he did all the work on Eve's blind for me. And then I was like, you know, I'm starting this new thing. I wonder if you'd be interested in, in working on it. And he was like, yes, definitely interested. Um, the name informed, you know, his design process. So I can talk about the name a little bit. Um, so yeah. forbidden, it, it tells a lot of stories, like you said, Paul, but for us, it kind of, you can condense it into to three things. It's forbidden in the process, for, forbidden in the ingredients, and forbidden in the maker. So the process, we talked about that low temperature fermentation and how people do it differently these days because mm-hmm. everything is about the bottom line. Um, the ingredients, you know, food grade grains versus feed grade grains, which again, uh, kind of call, you know, um, all leads back to the, the bottom line and needing that assurance of, of quantity uh, for these big mm-hmm. distilleries rather than working with, you know, smaller farmers and, and growing together, which is what we've been able to do with these unique grains and then the maker. So I'm, I'm producing a bourbon and up until 1974 when the law was um, changed legally in Kentucky, women could not be hired in distilleries as anything but cashiers, mm. waitresses or ushers. Well, that's dumb. Yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> So a forbidden master distiller making some forbidden bourbon, but the bottle itself, it's an eight point star. So it's got these, you know, kind of sharp corners on it. So when you're looking Mm -hmm. at the bottle, you don't exactly know, you know, how you're going to approach it. But then once you get it in your hand, it it feels, it just is like it was meant to be there. Yeah. I like, I really like the bottle because it's very unique from, those are like the, the things that, and we've talked about this a lot on the show. Sometimes the bottle presentation matters almost as much as what's in the, in, in the glass. Yeah. And then it's really disappointed if what's in the glass sucks. It, well, there's a lot of instances. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 There's a lot of instances where the, the presentation is almost too much and it goes, uh, you know, it goes over what it should be um there's there's a fine line of of creating something that is i mean marketing is having especially in something that's a tangible item is having someone that is you know what's it going to take for someone to look at your bottle to uh, to look at forbidden for another half second over everything else that's on Mm -hmm. the shelf and that is doing that over and over and over and over again is essentially how you know you set yourself apart the, yeah. it, that extra second or two when someone decides to look at your bottle, you know, next to everything else on the shelf is how you grow. Uh, some people do that and it just doesn't work because whiskey's bad or just too over the top. But I think you have like the perfect, perfect. I'm not just saying this. I've, I've, I've thought this since I saw the first press release of and saw the picture of the bottle, which is why I, I couldn't wait to have you on the show because I've been thinking about this for a while. It's like the, it, it's the perfect blend of, eye catching enough but nothing but not over the top it's like a it's like i don't know i don't know the correct well, that's why i think for, the label it's... like right the label brings it in not a bad way down to earth a little bit it's mm-hmm. not an overly catchy label yeah you know the bottle present what you're yeah 
Totally. Yeah, the, if you had like shit all over the all over the label too, you'd probably be like, "Oh God, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> take me uh, home. I'm an orphan." Yeah, <laughs> uh, I I think, and it as a distiller, as someone who put a lot of time and a lot of energy into making sure that the product tastes good, it drives <clears throat> me absolutely insane when people are like, well, why should I pay over a hundred dollars for your product? And they're like, well, did you see the bottle though? I mean, it's really, <laughs> <easy>. <laughs> this stuff costs <laughs> a lot. It drives me crazy. And that's why I, I encourage my, my press woman. I'm like, when people say that, it's not about that. It's not about that at all. We made those decisions. We factored that in. Um, those and people it, are going to buy that anyway. Packaging. Um, look, as someone who goes through things now and knows what shit costs even more so, and now, <laughs> now that we actually know what things cost, it's just like, oh, yeah, you know, it's it, it's 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 not cheap. And then, you know, if you want to stand out, because here's, here is the thing, when you're trying to put a new brand out there, you either have to have, you have to have something, either it's marketing, whether it's the person behind it, a combination of that, the bottle, like you have to stand out differently. If you just put that in a normal bottle that like Makers has or, you know, or Mitkers, something like that, you're not going to stand out. You're just going to be every other bottle on the shelf, you know, and, and not that that's necessarily bad but if you're trying to change a mold and come out with something unique it would have been really silly if it just came in a normal bottle for sure yeah for for us it was important that every aspect tells the story so if i'm not there to tell you that this is a unique product the bottle is mm-hmm. telling the story to you how long did the process for you to pick the label and the bottle how long did that take was a year and a half mm. Wow! Because it actually, you wow. know, it actually takes that long to develop a, a proprietary bottle um, yeah, from the glass yeah. manufacturers. From the the day you start until the day that they can actually run it on the line, it it, it comes down to about a year. So while the design process and coming up with the first like concepts didn't take that long, and and we knew as, as soon as we saw this bottle out of the first, I think he gave us five different kind of like um, product packaging concepts mm-hmm. to start with. And they were all really cool. And maybe I'll, I'll find a way to use uh, other ones of them uh, eventually, but the forbidden, the, forbidden bottle. Yeah. <laughs> the forbidden, forbidden bottle. <laughs> you get to yeah. add another one. And we didn't like this one. It was forbidden, right. but now it has the juice. <laughs> yes, <laughs> The reject <Yeah>. bottle. <laughs> Um, but it, it was pretty clear, um, that this one, because of, you know, evoking the feeling of forbidden in its shape, it was the the clear winner. And, and you've probably gone through, you know, some issues, uh, you know, all the shit with like shortages and glass and all that didn't probably play in. And then, you know, when you're, when you are thinking about it, oh yeah, it does. You're not, if it's not a stock bottle, you have to set something completely different up and, and then, you know, find someone and probably finding the glass maker was probably one of the biggest challenges of the whole process. Right. Well, I mean, essentially at the beginning, we, we had talked to a few different glass makers. One was here in, in the U S that we were really hoping to work with. And then they had some issues with their production facility and fulfilling orders. Mm-hmm. And we're like, all right, well maybe um, we need to go with one of the larger glass manufacturers over in Europe. So we decided to switch to Saver, which was, um, 
not cheap, uh, but definitely the the right decision uh, because when you get a, yeah. a custom glass made, it's it's almost. I mean, the the most expensive part of it. I mean, definitely yeah. ordering yeah. the glass is expensive, but getting all of the pieces that they need manufactured to to make it the molds and the the, the mm-hmm. you know different things. So. In, and getting like prototypes made, it just takes a lot, a while um, to do. But we love saber glass, and we use core um, brawn as our kind of like go between. So they helped with the um, selection of the the folks who make the cork and the metal label um, as well. Yeah, I mean, you had to go through every aspect of of creation going through it for a custom bottle. Like you couldn't just go get labels anywhere. You couldn't get a cork anywhere. You had to do everything. <sighs> what was the most challenging part of the pro? Like, where did you want to put your head through your refrigerator? I'm sure it was probably multiple times, but like, does one instance really stand out where you're just like, I quit and I am going to go do something else in life because this is bullshit. <laughs> one thing about me is that I hate people telling me that something is not possible. So <laughs> same, Marianne. Yeah. Same. <laughs> the, the I get yelled at by my business partners constantly for that. Yeah. I, I, I really rebel against that. So the, the hardest part of the process for me was when we had to change the shape from a nine point star, which was the original design to an eight point star. Mm-hmm. I was just like, we got to talk to anybody else. There's somebody in this world that can make me a nine point star. And then, you know, I just kind of like succumb to it because after seeing the prototype and, and feeling it, which most importantly, like it's, it really is the way that it was meant to be. That's the most frustrating thing you had to deal with. I'll trade you. <laughs> a I'll little trade you. Change. No. And then also like just waiting for everything to come. So, uh, yeah, that is the biggest headache is you mm-hmm. put in the order, you've given these folks lots and lots of money and then, you know, they don't meet their, their deadlines. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, I know what that's like right now. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. That is, uh, that is, <laughs> that's why Connor's laughing. She's kind of just like, Oh, he, she's speaking our day. Yeah. It's, uh, it's take another sip of whiskey. Yeah. I'm going to drink this whole, this whole 200 milliliters about to be fucking gone real quick. <laughs> what did you guys do on Friday? Oh, well, we had Marianne on a podcast. You made us feel less shitty about being mad about everything. So we drank more and then the day still didn't get any better, but we felt better doing it. Well. <laughs> it's 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 so much it's it's so cool to see this process and and followed your career for for years so you know i'm really glad we got we got to taste this and i I like it and i i do think that um it's definitely a a a nice little palate challenger and i'm definitely gonna drink more of it and this will be gone very there you go there it's probably oh we've put a little dent in it already yeah Uh, that'll be gone that'll be gone it depends on how the next two calls go after this yeah. one. It could be gone <laughs> within the middle of the call. <laughs> uh, um, what's what's the future look looking yeah. for uh, for Ben Marianne? That's uh, you mentioned batch two coming out. Do you have any other plans other than uh, other than a uh, you know a batch two? Is this, is this forbidden always going to be batch? Do you have anything else that's in the pipeline? Yeah, so we've got the single barrel, um, the the core release, and then the special select single barrels. Um, and I'm also looking at a cast strength small batch that that will be coming later, probably after we get through the transition from Castle and Key Produce to Bardstown Produce. All right. Well, after some technical difficulties, we're back. I've but... also taken my jacket off. Yes. So. 
We just figured out the heat in Boston are playing tonight, so I'm wearing my heat shirt underneath to remind Connor that the Celtics suck, and we own Boston in all sports. Thank you. Okay. Well, anyways, uh, (laughs) to to go back on topic here, um, what is the future of Forbidden? You you know I I, you had mentioned you know this is going to be bad. You have your core lineup here. You have the single barrel um, that you had mentioned before. What else do you see that's going to be coming down the pipeline for you guys? Definitely going to be expanding the the family with a cask strength small batch expression of Forbidden. Um, I don't know exactly when that will be. Probably after we get through the transition from um, Castle and Key produced to Barstown Bourbon produced liquid. And then uh, on that note, um, we are talking as a group, uh, an ownership group, about a distillery being in the works for the future. Yeah, so getting back into you know, the production seat and making the stuff, um, the way, you know, exactly I want it to be made, which Barstown is doing a fantastic job and I have no, uh, doubt whatsoever that I'm going to love, you know, what's coming out in the next couple of years from them. Um, but it will give me the opportunity to, to potentially get back into doing more experimentation, barrel finishing, (laughs) um, those types of things. Um, yeah, so there's, there's lots of, you know, and world domination. So, um, oh, well, we're, of course. yeah, we're distributed in Kentucky, South Carolina and Tennessee currently looking to go into Georgia, if not before the end of the year, then very early next year and, and just, you know, rolling on from there. Yeah. That's so you had mentioned where you're distributed. Um, where can people, uh, go to find out more about you or the brand or kind of maybe potentially buy online or, or what's, what's kind of that? Totally. Drink Forbidden. I think it's Drink Forbidden. Drinkforbidden.com um, or ForbiddenBourbon.com. I think it's Drink Forbidden. I was on your uh, I was on your profile. Thanks. Although when I saw it, when I saw it, I was just like, oh, that sounds like Fifty Shades of Grey and I'm here for it. <laughs> <laughs> Drink Forbidden. Forbidden Vial. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So- Whips and chains sold separately. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not. I don't know. Oh, well, um, no. That's the uh, holiday bundle. <laughs> exactly. Um, so we're we're sold online at bourboutfitter.com. So you can learn a little bit about it there. But then also, you know, on the social media, I primarily focus on Instagram, mm. but we do um, have a forbidden presence on um, Facebook and maybe also Twitter. I think we're focusing on Facebook and Instagram currently. Mm. Yeah, don't worry. I forget things like that too at this yeah, point. Like, oh, I just... <laughs> Wait, we have seven email addresses. Oh, yeah, probably should yeah. check that one. <laughs> and hold your breath. Like, oh, hopefully, there's no email. Oh, no messages. Thank God. <laughs> well, Mary, nope. this has been really great having you back on. Um, we'll have to do this again as you kind of come out with with more releases. It's really fun to kind of follow along with your career and everything you're putting out, uh, putting out, I almost said putting up with, and I was like, wait a minute, that's, that's the mom's side. <laughs> um, <laughs> your kids are getting to the age of mine. <laughs> and then you, you know, it's the great thing. It's the, it's the amazing thing that you can work, have kids and not commit murder every single day. It's, you know, it's great. Um, <laughs> I tell Connor that all the time. And you understand why I say being a parent is the most thing about unconditional love and not wanting to throw something into a wall um it, it's, it shows incredible restraint uh, i'm just kidding uh but if you've been a parent out there you brought your nod in your head yes i understand uh but we're really excited i i really enjoyed this 
and hopefully we can have you back on once you uh, have some more releases come out. Yeah, absolutely. Keep your ears to the ground. There's more coming for sure. Awesome. We'll look forward to it. Thanks everyone for listening. And remember, Bourbon with Friends can change the world. That's it for this episode of Bourbon with Friends. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. While you're at it, leave us a review to make it easier for others to find the show. You can also check us out on Instagram at BWF Podcast. Thanks for listening.